0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Confessing Our Hope, the podcast of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. My name is Zach Groff and I'm the host of the podcast, also Director of Advancement and Admissions here at the seminary. And I have with me in the studio my good friend and professor, Dr. Benjamin Shaw. Dr. Shaw, thank you for joining me. My pleasure. Dr. Shaw is professor of Hebrew and Old Testament here at Greenville Seminary, wrapping up a 29-year tenure in that capacity in that position and he's accepted a call to Reformation Bible College where he will be teaching much of the same material. He'll be teaching in the Old Testament department and today as opposed to a recent podcast episode where we talked about his latest book, today we're going to talk about him his life and times. I'm going to make him feel extremely awkward. (laughs) We kicked off this series of faculty lives and and ministries uh, with Dr. Piper last month, I think, and uh, this month I wanted to get Dr. Shaw in before he technically left our permanent resident faculty. He will still be listed and regarded as an adjunct faculty member, and uh, will be a part of the seminary life, including the um, conference that we have in the spring, where he'll be delivering a talk on, uh, or a message on singing, and the yeah. theology of singing. But Dr. Shaw, today we're going to talk about you, and I know a lot of your story, but I don't think many of our listeners do. Where did you grow up?
1: I grew up in Roswell, New Mexico. No, what, what planet really are you from? <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing about that is that I don't remember ever hearing anything about the UFO incident while I was growing up. It was not until, well, after I had even, I, I guess, it was probably when the 50th anniversary of the event was drawing near and uh, Roswell uh, Chamber of Commerce and the powers that be were looking for a way to kind of increase the... uh, uh, the notoriety of the town they began to sort of focus on the ufo incident
0: i think they probably wanted tourism revenue as a result of increased notoriety exactly right an economic analysis of popular culture and history (laughs) really not hard to do (laughs) well so you're from roswell new mexico did you grow up in a christian home
1: yes we attended the uh first presbyterian church in roswell my dad was the uh organist there for a number of years and um we had, uh, uh, my parents were Christians, but they were not, they were not theologically educated Christians. And, uh, we had a daily Bible reading and, uh, uh, my dad would read then out of a devotional magazine, you know, today or our daily bread or something like that. But, um, but yeah, I grew up in a Christian home.
0: Well, that's a great blessing. And, uh, your particular congregation there, it was in the PCUSA at the time I take it. Yes. And was it an evangelical congregation no. that you know of? No, no. Yeah. So you uh, you grew up in Roswell. Uh, tell us a little. And obviously, the aliens thing didn't you know didn't have any <laughs> influence on you. Didn't really even impress you. Um, we know a little bit about your family now. Uh, what about your your daily life? What are some you know, fond memories or remembrances from your childhood? And uh, do you have any lasting attachment to Roswell or did, once you moved away, was was that pretty much it? I
1: I mean, I I, I have visited only rarely since I I moved, uh, went to college first at New Mexico State University in Las Cruces and then finished up at University of New Mexico in Albuquerque. Uh, And I really have not lived in uh, Roswell since 1971. I've gone I and I've visited really probably only half a dozen times in the intervening years. Uh so but I, I you know it's uh, my hometown I still have a certain kind of affection for it even as odd as it is. Um, I can sympathize with that. <laughs> somebody asked me once if I if I would ever consider moving back there and yeah I would I, at the drop of a hat I would I would move back. Yeah. yeah but given you know, a reason yeah given a reason and uh but you know uh my uh my younger sister still lives in roswell she and her husband and my my oldest sister has since uh, has since passed uh and my old and then i have another sister who's older and she lives in in utah so i only have the one family connection there remaining
0: did your parents live out their days in roswell
1: yeah okay
0: I just wasn't sure. Yeah. So you graduated from University of New Mexico in Albuquerque with a degree in?
1: Bachelor of University Studies. That was one of those degrees that they developed in the late 60s and early 70s for people who had acquired 120, degree, 120 hours of uh, coursework, but nothing, not enough in any one area to get a major. So that's what I had, a Bachelor of University Studies.
0: And then what, where did you go from there?
1: Uh, I went straight to seminary at Pittsburgh Theological Seminary, where John Gerstner was still teaching and had the uh, pleasure of having him as a teacher, and uh, Ford Lewis Battles, who uh, probably not nearly as well-known, but he's the uh, he was the translator of the standard edition of Calvin's in- Institutes.
0: He might be more well-known today than Gerstner is, except among the Ligonier crowd yeah. and, uh, and our more conservative Reformed crowd, but... Um, certainly both men are um, are deeply appreciated around these parts (laughs) for their at least their academic output and their labors yeah Um, now where by the time you got to Pittsburgh uh, would you would you say that you were converted by then or were you regenerate
1: Uh, yeah I was converted in college um, in sort of an odd combination of uh, my younger sister had become Christian in charismatic circles And so I had some of that influence, but also the influence of Campus Crusade. Um, But I always, but having, I think the benefit of of having grown up in the church uh, is that I always, you know, once I was converted, I recognized the inherent value of the church and the importance of the church. And so, even though I had some uh, involvement with Campus Crusade, my uh, my involvement was primarily in the church.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, college, uh, parachurch, uh, campus ministry had a great deal of influence on my life, but it was always the church that had the the primary spiritual form- formative influence on my life as well. At Pittsburgh, um, what, uh, what was your experience there like? I know you studied under Gerstner, you took some seminar classes with him and, and really latched on to him and other students that were Around him as well, um, because of the diversity of the faculty, you kind of right. had you know, right. by nature going to grab onto one. Um, but tell us a little bit about that experience in terms of a spiritual formation and convictional uh, kind of perspective.
1: Well, when I when I went to seminary, I had I, I really had no theology. Uh, I had uh, I was a an avid reader of the Bible, um, but beyond that, I had read very little. Uh, almost nothing in the way of of serious theology. Uh, I wouldn't have known. I doubt that I would have known the name of Calvin. I wasn't familiar with the West, Westminster Standards, uh, and so I, I, I went to seminary with the desire to serve in the church, but without any any real grounding theological grounding outside my familiarity with the Bible. And what I found at Pittsburgh, because of, largely because of students who had come to study with Gerstner, uh, that's where I began to get my foundation and footing in, in Reformed theology.
0: And of those students, uh, with whom do you have lasting friendships?
1: Mark Ross, who teaches for Erskine Seminary in uh, Columbia. Uh, Andrew McCafferty, who heads up a, uh, a Christian college in Taiwan. Uh, links with one of our current students, Mark Kuo. Um, and then, uh, and uh, Jim O'Brien, who's a longtime friend uh, of mine. We met the, uh, f- we both started seminary the first year in 77. Um, and, uh, and, is that s- where you met David Coffin, too? That's where I met David Coffin. That's where I met Steve Krakow, who is, uh, I think, currently at Yale University. Uh, Divinity School, um, librarian up there. He was librarian at Princeton Theological Seminary for a number of years.
0: And speaking of Princeton, you did a THM at Princeton after finishing your MDiv at Pittsburgh, right? At Pittsburgh,
1: right. Right. Yeah, I I uh, discovered—my plan in going to seminary was to go back uh, to New Mexico and pastor a Presbyterian church there, but discovered in, uh, in seminary that my gifts were more academic than they were pastoral. And so uh, went, uh, and I went, wa- and I wanted to do my work in Old Testament, but didn't feel like I had enough coursework in that to go directly into a doctoral program. So I went and did the THM at uh, Princeton.
0: And was that a spiritually formative time for you, or is that more of an academically useful time?
1: It was more of an academically useful time. Uh, but I, the uh, church I was attending in Princeton came into the PCA uh, at that, uh, the year that I was there, and that was my introduction to the PCA.
0: And from Princeton, you then went on to Duke. Right. And did you maintain that PCA connection in going to Duke?
1: Yes. Um, that, well, sort of. Uh the the church I attended the first couple of years I was a Duke, because there wasn't a, a PCA church that was uh reasonably accessible. Um and so I attended Blacknell Memorial Presbyterian Church, was a P an evangelical PCUSA USA congregation in Durham. Uh but uh then the uh, PCA sent a church planter in to to plant a church uh that would serve both Durham and Chapel Hill. And I was part of the core group of that church. Oh, cool.
0: I didn't realize yeah, that. It was Good Shepherd. And how? Good Shepherd PCA? Yeah,
1: the Church of the Good Shepherd is the.
0: Yeah. I, I like that name. Uh, how long were you there in Durham, area and at Duke?
1: Uh, eight years.
0: Eight years. And then uh, once you finished up your time there, is that when you ended up in the upstate?
1: Yes. I was. Uh, I took a one-year contract at, at Wofford College uh, filling in for someone who was on a sabbatical. Uh, and during that year, then uh, my friend Jim O'Brien put me in uh, knew about the seminary here in Greenville, knew that they were looking for somebody in Old Testament and put me in touch with Dr. Smith.
0: That goes, let's, let's just review. Born in Roswell, New Mexico, not the progeny of aliens. And... Uh, Moves from there to, uh, well, finishes up college at Albuquerque, goes to Pittsburgh, which is very different than New Mexico, mm-hmm. climately anyway. And then uh, from there, to so Princeton, then Durham, then Spartanburg, and then finally Greenville. And right. that's pretty much where you've been for the last 29 years. Right. Or so. Yeah. That's wonderful. Uh, what, what are your memories of... Those early years at Greenville Seminary. I mean, for our listeners that don't know, Dr. Shaw, though he's leaving us this year after 29 years, is our longest tenured uh, professor here in the history of the seminary. And um, uh, he might maintain that title for a couple of years until Dr. Dyer uh, surpasses Dr. Shaw's tenure. But what were those early years like?
1: Um, well, when I first started at the seminary, we had two rooms on the upper floor of the education wing of Augusta Street Presbyterian Church. One room was the office and one room was the classroom.
0: Was yeah. the office the room full of dead printers?
1: <laughs> well, that was a little bit later on. That was three <laughs> or four years into the project. One of the things that uh, uh, churches um, would do at uh, in the early years of the seminary was they would they figured that we needed copiers they had a copier that they had worn out and wanted to get rid of and so they donated them to seminary and so at at one point we did have a room full of uh i think five or six printers one of them was even a uh a liquid toner uh copier
0: how'd you figure that out
1: uh because we uh happened to spill some of the toner as we were carrying the thing out of the building
0: I knew that. I just, it makes me laugh every time he tells that story. (laughs) Oh, man. All right, so those early years, you're in a two-classroom seminary with largely non-residential faculty. I mean, even Dr. Smith was coming down from Brevard, North Carolina. Right. So you were really the only resident faculty here.
1: Well, the first couple of years, Michael Mang and I, Michael Mang was also the pastor of Fellowship Presbyterian Church, and... um, he taught Greek and served as the office manager. I taught Hebrew and Old Testament and was technically the librarian, but there wasn't. Uh, uh, I can't say I uh, fulfilled the responsibilities of that job.
0: Did you catalog any books?
1: I don't recall that I did. I, I didn't. I, that, I think that it was uh, giving me a title in in uh, in, in lieu of uh, income.
0: Shortly thereafter, though, after a first couple of years of getting grounded, the seminary started to, to grow at least somewhat, mm-hmm. and so the, the facilities expanded. Like you said, you ended up having not just two classrooms or two rooms, but also at least a, a, a printer graveyard in mm-hmm. the facility as well. And, and then how, how would you say your experience of teaching at Greenville Seminary uh, has been?
1: I enjoy being in the classroom, and that's, that's always been my delight. I will say that we, over the years, the, uh, we, with meaning no disrespect to early students at the seminary, I would say that the quality of the students has improved over the years. Um, when uh, Dr. Piper came in 98, uh, that was a big improvement. Uh, for the seminary big help to the seminary Uh, and not only not only because he got us uh, out of that building and uh, uh, and moved us out to taylor's but also just because uh, the increase in student recruiting and um, and just the um, i think it just raised the tone of the school quite a bit
0: I think Ian Hamilton put it a couple years ago uh, that Sinclair Ferguson's response to hearing about Dr. Pipa coming to Greenville Seminary was, oh, that's going to be a real game changer or something <laughs> yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, in addition to serving at the seminary, Dr. Shaw, I've always been impressed by your level of involvement in uh, in the courts of the church, both at the presbytery level, but also at the general assembly level. Uh, how much has that aspect of ministry factored into, um, you know, your use of time and your uh, your level of prioritization of tasks and those kinds of things?
1: I, I've tried to make attendance at at Presbytery uh, a priority, um, and General Assembly has been less of a priority mainly because of cost. But I have been. I have served on a number of presby on a number of assembly committees. I, I've spent several years uh, on the review of presbytery records. Now that's a time um, consuming committee. Yeah, which is yeah, that's a time consuming and fortunately it, it uh, pretty much always comes after the school year is completed. So I've got the time to devote to it. Um, but and and I've served on and committees of commissioners uh, several times over the years. So. Um, but as I say, attendance at the at General Assembly itself has largely uh, depended on where the assembly has met and uh, whether the, uh, semin- and, hey, the seminary has funded my going to General Assembly every other year for a number of years. So, Do you know
0: what RBC is going to do for you? Uh,
1: RBC is, um, is going to fund me to go to one conference a year. Uh, which generally means I, I'll, I'll have to choose between the uh, Evangelical Theological Society and General Assembly.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, you know what I'm hoping you choose because yeah. you know which one I go yeah. to. <laughs> the, um,
1: uh, my wife and I have already made plans to attend General Assembly uh, in Birmingham this coming year. So
0: Good, good. I look forward to seeing you there. The Shaw's have, um, and this will dovetail to my next question, the Shaw's have really... Uh, exercise a ministry of hospitality here, especially when they were living in Greenville itself before they moved up to Silva, North Carolina. and I'll ask him about the church plant too. but before we get there how how has hospitality factored into your experience as a professor at Greenville seminary and and as a husband and as a churchman and and everything else
1: well i I, I think it's just uh, over the years has become more and more important to me as uh an element of Christian ministry. Uh that um now I I, I think I, I think one difficulty is that as a culture we're not used to hospitality. And as uh a Christian culture we and particular I think particularly I think in reformed conservative reformed circles Wives on whom much of the weight of hospitality depends tend to think that the house has to be perfect, the nice dishes have to come out, uh, the meal has to be perfect in order to do hospitality, and none of that is true. Hospitality is simply opening your home and having people in. Uh, I don't think it needs to go Necessarily, where Rosario Butterfield uh, would take it, uh, but uh, but I, I think particularly as ministers of the gospel, your home has to be open to your congregation. Uh, you have to have people in. It has to be intentional. It has to be deliberate. Uh, it, it doesn't happen by, you know. It, it doesn't just happen
0: people aren't just walking around the neighborhood and coming up to your door to spend some time with you anymore. In the past, it might have been like that. And in some small towns, maybe it's still somewhat uh, possible, but especially in our suburban automobile (laughs) kind of centric culture, you're right. You need to invite people over and and plan for that. My wife and I are learning that more and more uh, as as we settle in and and make a home for ourselves down here. Yeah,
1: And, and I think if the pastor's not doing it, the church won't do it.
0: Well, that's absolutely right. Yeah, um, it's it's not even a matter of you know setting the high water mark or whatever. It's just a matter of you know creating and encouraging a particular culture. Uh, the pastor and elders need to be on board with that for mm-hmm. uh, anybody else to be on board with it, uh, Doctor Shaw. I mentioned that you and Mrs. Shaw lived in Silva for a while, were involved in a church plant there. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us about how you got involved in a church plant uh, a couple hours away from the seminary. How did that even
1: happen? That happened because a former student uh, received a call to do a church plant there in Silva, which is near the campus of Western Carolina University. We already The PCA already had an RUF uh, chapter there and but there wasn't a uh a pca church within within college student driving distance uh and so they wanted uh and, and the the man that they called who was a as i say a former student and his wife and and lynn had gotten pretty close uh over the years and so when we saw the picture of the core group it was all young families folks in their late 20s early 30s with small children and uh we thought that uh, they needed some age, um, so we worked it out and worked it out with Doctor Piper that I could go uh, up there and help with the church plant. Um, I didn't have any. I didn't have any real official standing, uh, but was just there for uh, counsel and uh, assistance. Um, but that was uh, that. That was. We really enjoyed it, and the church has, has grown and prospered. And the uh, uh, the one thing I appreciate about uh, uh, Philip Seeley's ministry there is that he did not plant a church that depended on him, uh, that when he left to take the call to Ocean Springs, Mississippi, the church didn't fall apart, people didn't leave. Uh, as a matter of fact, the church continued to grow uh, in the year uh, between uh, – his leaving and they're calling a new pastor, and so uh, I, that's that would certainly meet my expectations of a successful church plant.
0: I think among our alumni, the stories of successful church planting that I've heard have have involved that very dynamic, where the man goes in and is really keenly interested in building up a church that does not depend on him, but rather depends on Christ. And, uh, and that's worked out in all the officers that Christ gifts unto the church, not just the yeah. pastor. Um, it's so easy in our culture to be focused on the one guy mm-hmm. when in fact, uh, Christ always calls up teams, plurality of yes. elders is the yes. fancy Presbyterian word for it. Um, well, Dr. Shaw, perhaps, uh, we've covered a lot of ground and I think that this will be a helpful podcast for anyone who wants to get to know you. So maybe that's scary for you, but, uh, <laughs> um, Let's let's end on this note. What are you most looking forward to in in the future? This will be unique to you uh, because the transition that's before you is uh, very significant and clearly defined. I mean, we, yeah. we all kind of know about it. Yeah. But as you prepare to move to Sanford, Florida and begin teaching at the undergraduate level, what are you excited about?
1: Teaching at the undergraduate level.
0: All right, that's it. Let's close up shop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I mean, like I say, I taught for a year at Wofford College uh, before I came to the seminary, and I always, I enjoyed that year thoroughly. And, uh, and there's a, particularly with a school like Greenville, uh, men generally come to Greenville with their theology pretty much in place. And you can do some tweaking, uh, but with college students, it's a much more wide-open game and I'm looking forward to that. Well,
0: for what it's worth, I came to Greenville because I knew what the faculty believed, even if I didn't completely understand what I believed yet. And so um, you've had a very formative influence on me, as have the other faculty, as you've taught me what it means to be a Presbyterian uh, Christian and uh, to understand God's Word as one who highly values the original languages. And so I thank you, Dr. Shaw, for your, uh, your service, not only to me, but to all of our students and to our alumni. And we will definitely miss you.
1: Well, thank you. I thank you. I appreciate that.
0: You've been listening to a production of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. For more information about the seminary, visit gpts.edu. For information about our 2020 Spring Theology Conference, visit gpts.edu slash conference. We hope to see you there. And so does Dr. Shaw. Take care.